1-0 Nashville. It's still Picot. And a beautiful save by Brady. But the rebound is turned home by Mukhtar. He cannot stop scoring. Nashville has now unbeaten in five matches. They've outscored opponents 10-2 in that stretch. And they've advanced to the round of 16 in the U.S. Open Cup. Things are going well. For the boys in gold, playing like men in gold right now, or like U.S. women in gold. Either way, they are playing well, and we're here to talk about it on the Club and Country podcast, the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage, for Nashville SC coverage from the two people who've covered the club longer than anyone in their respective disciplines playing that Apple TV clip. I'm Wes Bowling. And I'm Tim Sullivan, the proprietor of ClubCountryUSA.com. Wes, it's been a long time since you've stumbled on respective disciplines, so it threw me for a loop for a second there. I know. I was clearly on radio, right? Clearly, the way I <laughs> talked today, very much a radio guy. Uh, thanks for your patience, folks, with a later-than-usual release time this week. Uh, I was on the beach in South Carolina officiating a wedding. Tim, currently uh, talking to us from the beach, so you showed a little more dedication than me and being on here and, and playing <laughs> playing sunburned, if you will. Although, it looks like you're doing okay with the yeah. sunburn so far. Yeah, are you gonna have uh, are you gonna have wedding officiant audio dropped into the episode at all, Wes? Courtesy of Paul Moore. That's right. That's my buddy. Got married. Um, yeah, nobody wants to hear that. There were two and a half University <laughs> of Tennessee football references, though, in the wedding ceremony itself, which matches about the average that we have. On so this it made podcast. it pretty much an episode of the podcast. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> because not only is this a college football podcast, but every wedding I will officiate will be a college football wedding. So think twice before you sign up especially you Vandy fans, uh, for me to officiate your wedding. <laughs> uh, today, we're going to have a mailbag episode. I know. Uh, Vandy fans do. Vandy fans of, <laughs> of marriage age do not exist. <laughs> Maybe some 60 pluses, but, and, you know, they can get married too. No judgment. Um, we have, uh, have watched a lot of soccer together without talking uh, to you guys over the past few days. And we're not going to sit here and recap everything we saw. It was all good for Nashville. A 3-0 win over Chicago, the 2-0 win over Dallas in the U.S. Open Cup. But instead of going blow for blow there, we're going to just answer your mailbag questions and get straight to what you want to talk about as a result of those games. Uh, next up, though, will be a trip to D.C., a midweek date with Inter-Miami. And that is the team they drew for the U.S. Open Cup round of 16 as well. Tim, a little bummer there as Nashville could have, of course, hosted. Now they'll have to go on the road twice to get to mm-hmm. the semifinals. They'll go to Miami and they will go to the winner of Birmingham and Charlotte. Uh was really rooting for that H1 slot against Birmingham, but not to be. Yeah, it's a situation where um, the fact that they draw the two rounds in a row, essentially, um, because you kind of know what the bracket plays out like is is kind of a bummer because we we now know that um, Geodis Park will not, will not see extra soccer uh, for quite some time, and, and it will require Nashville SC advancing to that point to, to see extra soccer at Geodis Park. But it's also something that I think this team is, is is finding a form where they are comfortable going on the road, and I think it'll play to their advantage a little bit. Um, certainly to go to Miami, which is a team that has struggled a little bit in recent weeks, um, maybe found a little bit of, of form over the weekend with uh, the Joseph Martinez winners against uh, his former team, Atlanta United. But at the same time, I think this Nashville SC team has is, is found a vein of form and a vein of confidence that um, they, they will be able to take on the road. Absolutely. And in a minute, I'm going to ask the question of whether the fact that they have to play away from home changes their approach to trying to balance MLS play and the U.S. Open Cup. More on that in a minute. Rotation 
will be necessary. And Tim, today for our discussion of MLROs, let's talk about rotation. You know, you and I both love burgers and fries and of course the beer that goes with it. But sometimes you have to rotate the squad, if you will, especially if you're going multiple times in a week. And, and you know, I'm trying to be healthy where I can as well. Uh, I, I thought we'd talk about our top squad rotation choices for when we rotate out the burgers and we come in with something that's mm-hmm. maybe a little a little bit little better on the calorie count. So what about you? As you look at the MLROs menu or as you dream of of that menu, I want you to think in a minute about what you're talking about. Oh, look, I need to look at it. It's, yeah, it's, I, it's, in, I, it's in here. It's, in, it's in your heart. The menu is in your heart. Then what's what's your rotation choice? What's your second teamer that steps up for US Open Cup play? Well, as as we've discussed before, my first teamer is not a burger. It is the Carolina Sweets Waffle Fries. And, and that will, I think, remain my first teamer all the time. I'm actually a, a guy who I'm not a big nacho guy, but you've you've talked about the nachos a lot. And I'm, uh, um, as I think most listeners probably know by now, since we are <laughs> sponsored by a restaurant, I'm a, I'm a low meat family and they have the black bean nachos at ML Rose. And that's something that um, to kind of mix it up from what I usually like to eat. But but keeping a, a little environmentally conscious in my food choices, that's a, it's a really good go-to for me. Well, it's great. And it is a shareable size. But if you wanted to share that with me, you know what I would tell you. That is um, nacho please, cheese. Please don't. <laughs> oh, you <he> did it. <laughs> and everyone heard that one coming, of course. Uh, I think that's a great choice. That was on my list as well. I'll go with with uh, another one that I've really enjoyed as a rotating uh, character, if you will. I've had it three times now. The Thai peanut chicken salad is tremendous, especially if you like a little heat. It's got that refreshing Thai taste to it with the ginger lime vinaigrette, peanut sauce, the wontons and sesame seeds. It's got the crunch to it as well. And you feel like you're eating something and not just eating a bunch of leaves, but there are also a bunch of leaves in there to go with the sliced chicken if you want that. If you're a vegetarian or vegan, you can go avocado instead. And everything else appears to be vegan friendly and definitely vegetarian. So uh, either of those options is going to make you really happy. But Tim, if you just want to go with a heavy hitting burger, the burger of the month this month is the Thick Boy. The Thick Boy Burger. Wait, is that with two C's or with a K? I didn't look at the burger of the month. It is two two C's. It is two C's as it should be. Uh, Let's go. Get this. Get this. All natural beef patty. Thick ranch. I don't know what thick ranch is, but I want it. Uh, fried pickles, jack cheese, lettuce, tomato with waffle fries. And they suggest pairing it with a light lager. I mean, thick boy burger. I, sorry, squad rotation. Yeah, I know it, it sounds you, like it lives up to the name for sure. Yeah, you're counting on playing for the US Open Cup, but you're going to, the, the burger is going to, I think, take your spot. And I'm going to work out a little bit more beforehand. Um, <laughs> ML Rose 8th Avenue. It has been a wonderful string of home matches and of course, uh, more to come later in the season, but uh, very, very exciting to get to not only see a bunch of matches at Jodas Park, but also eat a bunch of burgers or rotation favorites. And uh, now we'll move into just a brief gold nugget segment before the mailbag. Let's hear from Gary Smith as he talked post game uh, after the Chicago win 3-0. At 1-0, I think we all know there's always that concern that the other team, um, you know, in, in trying to push for a goal, find a little bit of fortune or a little bit of quality. And there's no doubt as they started to bring players into the game, they were adding bodies that we've probably seen more regularly in their starting lineup. Um, so there, there, there was a, a worry that if we didn't get that second goal, that there might be um, some, some edgy moments as, as the game, um, you know, started to wind down. Um, but, 
I, you know, I've got to say the, the attitude of the players, the willingness to, you know, to find not only that second goal, but obviously the third and the threat beyond remained throughout the game. And I've seen on many occasions now that if we can get ourselves in front and teams are committing more players to the attack and trying to press a little bit higher, you know, we're at our best or can release some players with real athleticism and pace um, and, and the likes of Fafa and, and Hanny and, and even Ethan at the end there were in very, very good spots and willing to make the very best of those moments. Tim, this match was not just a good win. It was a dominant win, a statement win, perhaps, mm-hmm. for this Nashville team. Chicago's not great. Uh, we know that because they fired their manager the next day and because they've been turning <laughs> in a negative direction really ever since Dax McCarty left <laughs> and and others left. And they began their first of like three <laughs> it wasn't really a trend. Years. It was more of a, a cliff. <laughs> it was, yes, they have jumped off the Lake Michigan bluffs and they're not swimming very well right now. Um, was this primarily a great Nashville performance, primarily Chicago being that bad? Uh, either way, we'll take it, of course. Yeah, absolutely. And the one thing about Chicago being bad, which um, they have been, there's no, there's no denying that this is a team that uh, has still been pretty good on defense. They have not been um, quite as inept defensively. And it's the same as they were last year in a lot of ways. They designed their team to protect Gaga Flanina. This year, it's Chris Brady between the pipes that, they're, that they have designed their team to protect. Teams aren't putting up a ton of expected goals on them. Um, Nashville has seen that in a big way uh, this weekend. Um, the, the final uh, XG margin, um, Nashville had 4.56 to 0.3, according to American Soccer Analysis. Slightly different um, in some places, but that's a 4.26 expected goals margin. Almost an entire goal margin. Uh, expected goal better than the previous best margin of any game this season by any team. That was Vancouver's 3.34 XG margin in their 5-0 win over Montreal. So this was not a, not a fluky 3-0 win. This was a, a, a game that was potentially fluky to only be 3-0. And that's a situation that I know Nashville C fans have been a little bit down on the team. And, and we've, for the most part, pushed back against that. But we've said there's legitimate reasons to not be completely satisfied. And um, if this is a bit more of what you're going to see the rest of the year, I think uh, everybody's going to be joining us on that train pretty soon here. It's massive. The most XG from Nashville in MLS, in, in its in its MLS history. Can you guess what the second highest XG was off the top of your head? I had to look this one up. It was it surprised me just a little bit. Uh, maybe the maybe the 6-3 win over Cincinnati? I would have thought that, but no. It did involve Cincinnati, not shockingly. It was the 2-2 draw yeah. at home. When Nashville took yeah. about 31, 32 yeah. shots. Of course, shot volume yeah. in a play and a Brenner had the penalty. XG. And then, he, yep, yep, absolutely. <laughs> that makes sense. And probably the most combined XG in Nashville SC history. Uh, actually, I need to look that up because it might have still been this past Saturday night, <laughs> given what Nashville <laughs> did. And what adds up to that, of course, is not only shot quantity, but the quality of those shots. And here's a note from Opta mm-hmm. as our other gold nugget. 25 of the 30 shots that Nashville attempted against the fire on Saturday were taken inside the box, the most in any MLS match by any team since at least 2010. What did Nashville do so well to work that ball into dangerous areas? Um, I think this is where we they play against the Chicago fire. Right? There you go. Um, a big part of it was, was really just the ineptitude of the opposition. Um, Nashville was getting the ball into the same places that they often do. And then the, that next pass into the box and that shot were, were much more open than they have been a lot of the year. And yes, some of that is just that Chicago is that bad. But like I said, this is a team that, um, 
seems to have given up on Ezra Hendrickson at about the, the 10 minute mark of that game, to be fair. But they have also not had games like this this year. So you have to give Nashville some credit at the very least. They, they fired a coach for, for an opponent. And a big part of it is because they were a lot more precise with that, that final pass and, and getting the shot off quickly, which is something that um, I don't want to say they're ponderous at times, but maybe they overthink it a little yeah, bit in that yeah. final third. And this was a match where they, they were not in any way doing that. Yeah, and uh, certainly you see this as a springboard opportunity for Nashville to go on the hunt uh, as they go away from home to a D.C. team that also has a defense that has been somewhat porous uh, at times. Remember, Nashville put up three on the road at Audi Field last year. So getting into the mailbag now, we'll hit the other points from this game and from the U.S. Open Cup in answer to many of your questions, and there were many of them. And we'll start with Alex Wynn. With this win... How do you think Gary should think about balance across competitions? Do you think Nashville can prioritize both MLS play and U.S. Open Cup without a major drop in performance in either? And I will say, Alex, I think they can prioritize both. I think there will be somewhat of a drop in performance. There's going to be when legs get tired. The trip to Miami, to me, is the biggest obstacle. You have to travel down there in the heat versus getting to play in the somewhat lesser heat and not have to travel but Tim, I think this is a, this comes at a good time for Nashville with Randall Al working his way back in. Sean Davis, of course, got the start as well against Dallas last night. Two absolutely pivotal pieces who've not been a part of this team for a bit, especially Randall. I think Nashville can and should go for both. And while that may result in a draw or a loss somewhere along the way in MLS play, if that happens, the U.S. Open Cup advancement is still worth that. Yeah, last year at this time, um, I was saying. Uh, well, we'll let whatever happens in MLS play happen, but U.S. Open Cup should be the priority. This year, I don't quite feel that way because the team didn't start quite as strongly. They really do need to, I don't want to say make up for lost ground, but kind of make up for lost ground and make up for lost time a little bit in MLS play. At the same time, U.S. Open Cup is, you know, you're four games away from a trophy at this stage. So um, I think a trophy is is a huge priority. Like you said, I think they have the depth to go for both, and, and they should do so at this stage. Um, we'll see, you know, if if they get an easy win over D.C. this weekend, it, it might change the calculus because you say, okay, you can take your foot off the gas a little bit in league play um, at the, in the interest of, of winning uh, a trophy in a in U.S. Open Cup. But, again, you know, the calculus changes game by game, but at the same time, there should be enough, um, you know, gas in the tank to go for both. Does the calculus change – knowing that Nashville has to go to Miami instead of hosting. Does that change any rotation decisions you make if you're Gary Smith? Well, when is Messi signing? <laughs> oh, that's true. Um, Not until July no, of 20, yeah. 27. Yeah, it's, uh, no, it, I, don't, I don't think so. It, it makes it a little tougher, but this is also a team that, that played eight straight on the road last year. Um, they were on the road in heavy stretches of the pandemic season. Um, they did it a little bit in 2021, not as much as, as either of the, the two even number seasons, I guess. So they are battle tested on the road. They know how to do it. They know how to kind of be road warriors and play a lot of road games in a row. I don't think it changes a whole lot. Again, it depends on, on you know, how taxed your guys are playing in these MLS games, what the results of the MLS games are, how you kind of feel that you can go for it. But I don't think the home versus road split is huge at this stage. Having spoken, having spoken privately with Gary Smith last year about the Open Cup, um, I can tell you this is something that he values and this club values and it is yeah, not absolutely. something that's he, not he's, he's always valued it. Yeah. Going back to the Colorado Rapids days, he, he valued it. They weren't very good in the U.S. Open Cup, but he valued it. He valued it in the USL days. He thought that was his club's best chance to 
um, you know, make its name on the national stage, even though everybody already knew that they were going to MLS. He knew that that was a way that he could really kind of um, put his stamp on things. And, uh, you know, obviously they didn't end up winning U.S. Open Cup, but it was a situation where you could tell that Kerry took it seriously. All right, moving on to personnel questions now. Jeff Z wants to know whether we think Fafa Biko will start against D.C. And I think that plays a little bit into uh, NSC Nate's question, or sorry, Nashville SC Stats' question here in a bit too about Randall Leal playing at the top of the diamond. With the way Mule and the team is playing, do you see Leal starting anytime soon? Is it Leal or Pico, one of those guys playing? Do you see Leal maybe staying at the top of the diamonds and Pico stays in as maybe a second striker? There are a lot of questions here, a lot of good problems for Gary Smith to have about the optimal lineup now that Randall's back in. Yeah, I think the big thing is um, you didn't have Hani Mukhtar on Wednesday night, so that kind of changes probably formationally what you want to do. You do now know that you have a guy in Fafa who can be that Hani light second striker if you want to stick with the diamond, but at the same time, if you plug Hani back into this lineup, you can go back with your um, you know, four, four, two hybrid, four, two, three, one, um, sort of formation, and you can have true wingers. And I think there's a space for Randall and Pico in that situation. Um, in terms of whether Pico starts this weekend, um, he only played 11 minutes against the Fire, and he he only played um 68 uh plus first half stoppage time, so 69 minutes, nice uh on Wednesday evening. So I think he's you know been rotated um in order to facilitate that happening. So I do think he starts and um given the fact that Randall Leal as a planned substitution only played a half, um, you kind of can see they still want to ease him in. They don't want to put Randall Leal in the starting lineup if they feel like they might have to take him out. All sounds, sounds good to me. I, I definitely see a Teal and Fafa combo up top with Hani at the, at the top of a diamond, if they want to keep that. Um, but I think Leal at the top of the diamond is an ideal scenario with Hani as a second striker and, and Teal Bunbury. And that might put Fafa in a place where he's coming off the bench, or maybe he's a shuttler and just maybe he's a slightly wider such shuttler in a diamond. A lot of options there for sure. But I, then... yeah, I just, I just feel like both, both Fafa and Schaffelberg on the bench kind of takes a, a similar bullet out of, out of your chamber in the starting yeah. lineup. You want to have, have speed and speed, you know, you want to be able to, replace speed with speed um, and and having both of your speedy guys on the bench obviously gives you a different sort of weapon to, to um, take advantage of in the second half, but it is a, a, something that you're kind of foregoing in the first half. Even if Randall mm-hmm. gives you something that's different than the speed, um, it is a different kind of uh, calculus they have to do there. We're, this is the calculus episode of the show. This is the, which means I'm going to fail just like I, it was the only, only class <laughs> I really struggled with. And what is school. this? What is this? My freshman year at Michigan? <laughs> I uh, I spit it out on the AP yeah. exam, got a three, and they was able to test out because they were like, "Oh, you're going to be a broadcaster." Oh, yeah, no, oh, yeah, I took I took I took the I took the AP calc exam and did very well on it. So I tested into a calculus uh, <laughs> two years later after not having taken math for two years, and it was oh. like, "No, nope, this is this is bad. Oh. I don't like this." That's that's not great. That'd be like Randall going a full ninety straight off the injury. That's that's painful. That's jarring. <laughs> I mean, I see, yeah, I see a four. Around. Yeah, that's right. I see a four two three one as being. Maybe the optimal way to go there, I, I think, with Randall on one side and either Fafa or Jacob on the other. I think that's definitely the, a, a place yeah. you can go um, and have a lot a lot of success. But the fact of the matter is, if all goes well for Nashville, a good player is going to be mad every match, at least one, because they're and, not going to be in that 90. In that it's, a, it's not fun to have a player mad, but it's champagne problems. We've talked about yep. depth, and, and suddenly there is some. Well, and Gary's good at fostering that sense of competition, I think, for sure. Um, and and that's what Nashville's going to have if all, again, continues to go well 
A um, couple questions about the depth of this team, which I guess we touched on there a little bit. But Logan Elliott, after beating essentially what was Dallas's first team with what's nearly our second team, is the fan base downplaying the quality of Nashville's depth? And Thad Calton saying, with the recent ads and successes, is the depth issue resolved? It is never resolved. Uh, that is for sure, because you never know what uh, what's going to happen with injuries. It's going to be heavy rotation. You've got you know midweek play coming up as soon as next week. But it's in a good place. It's in the best place, Tim, that it mm-hmm. has been this year, especially as you see a guy like Jan Gregush stepping up and, and getting more minutes and, and earning those. Alex Wheel, after a rough start to the year, playing quite well. Also, not only is the depth better, but the quality depth, I think, is really, really uh, escalating for this team. Yeah, I mean, the return of Randall Leal from, from being on the injury list for quite some time. Sean Davis for a shorter time. Yeah. Um, like like we haven't even mentioned the name Walker Zimmerman because he did not play, um, has not played. Um, he's expected to be back. Um, I hope he enjoyed the Taylor Swift concert Sunday night. But <laughs> um, you know, you're missing you're missing a two time defender of the year, and you roll out a guy that you signed a week and a half ago, and it goes completely fine. This is a yeah. situation where the depth is better because the team is coming back um, with more health, but also because they've added a couple players, and it hasn't really been game changers. I don't think anybody. Needs- um, at the beginning of the season, would have said if somebody adds Jan Gregush, they are a, an MLS Cup contender. But these are the sorts of things that, yes, there are high profile failures like the scouting of Ake Lobo, but there were some pretty low profile extreme success stories like Jan Gregush, potentially even Lucas McNaughton. His his performances have both gone well. And I think going forward, that, that is going to be more depth than starting players. Um, although we will answer a question about, about one of those two being a starting player in the, in the second here. But I do think that the depth is much better. It it, it's never solved, but it is in the best place it's been since basically the uh, season opener. Yeah, I'll go as far as to say that we should judge Mike Jacobs by what happens from last week through August. And obviously after that too, but I think, you know, prior to this point, we're seeing a team playing with not every quiver in the arrow in the, in the, not every arrow in the quiver. Arrow in the quiver. That's yeah. it. Thank All right, you. Robin Hood, relax. <laughs> hey, I do like Nottingham Forest a little bit. Uh, so that I guess fits my, <laughs> my billing there. I, but I think, you know, this is the team as it was meant to be. And certainly if, and when a starting striker is added in the window, and that's why I say through August, this is really the team that was meant to be out there. And, you know, we can look and, and have our issues with the performance early this season. I think we all would. But I think now that the roster is is built out, is, is healthy for now, knock on wood, this is the team as it is meant to be. And this is the time to judge the personnel work and the tactical work because they have what they need to succeed. Now, will they do it? Yeah, and I think you can you can judge the the um, managing, the the general managing, not the on field managing you can use the entire body of evidence and if you say that um they were light in depth earlier in the season that that is a, a legitimate data point to consider as well but i do think uh when you look at what the total body of work is going to be at the end of the year what you're seeing right now is much more representative of what the standing in the final table what the performance in the mls cup playoffs uh, presented by audi is going to be um than what you saw during a, a mini slump a couple weeks ago and one factor has been the recovery, if you will, of Alex Wheel, who, of course, had the Golazzo, the beautiful left-footed strike curling uh, with a, a, an elegant pass into the top corner of the net. Jose saying that's two Golazzos and two seasons from Wheel from around the same area. He needs to look for that shot more. <laughs> World-class strike and NSC Nate. Uh, I'm going to reject the premise a little bit of what Nate says here. 
Can you just praise Alex Mule for the humble work he puts in? Yes, of course. Doesn't matter what position or role he's in. Yes, of course. He just puts in a shift. But then he says he isn't great at much, but he's good at a lot of things the manager likes. I think he's great at being exactly the kind of player that you're not going to notice on the pitch. Yeah. And he's great at those one-on-one yeah. matchups. He's winning the ball and he can have some punch in the attack. Occasionally you see it. He was in a good spot against Dallas. He made the strike. It was glorious. And Tim, I also think he's driven by confidence. He rides the highs high and the lows low, I think. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's on a high right now and he's proving what he can do. He has a full suite of abilities, not just to be good, but a great player. And uh, he's starting to show that more consistently. Yeah, I don't remember if it, was, if it was last episode or two episodes ago that I had to get on my soapbox and defend him a little bit because people don't like his technical ability in the attack. And I absolutely understand that he is never going to be a guy who is, is going to provide you, um, you know, consistent, beautiful moments. But he's a guy who's going to put in the defensive shift and he's capable of the, the individual spectacular moment. That's all you can really ask. Um, unless it's very important to you that um, one of your players is, is childhood best friends with Dune star Timothy Chalamet, in which case he can also provide that. That's extraordinarily important, and I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh, should have led the press yeah. release. Uh, every so. MLS team should strive for that. <laughs> only one can do it. I do think Alex Wheel's got a place on this team for as long as there he can wants. be only one. This is the this is the Highlander and Dune episode. <laughs> <laughs> Again, way out of my depth on this. And calculus, too. Oh, man. this We thought it was just going to be mailbag, but it is so, so much more. Uh, Alex has a spot on this team for as long as he wants it. I think within within reason. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. we see why. And it won't always be in the 11, but it will be if he continues to play like that. Speaking of players in the 11, Jan Gregush, does he deserve a run at the starting 11 in league play? Travis says, why not? I think we will see it at some point with the degree of rotation that's taking place. Nashville hosting Miami uh, after going to D.C. with a short, short week there. Then U.S. Open Cup after that with another league match. There's a lot going on, and we should see Jan Gregush, who seems, Tim, to be playing his way into contention for that spot after an effective start in the U.S. Open Cup. Yeah, I, I don't think he's a guy who's going to consistently start uh, for this team ever, which is very funny because, again, when he signed, uh, we pointed out that he joined this league as a designated player with Minnesota United, and now he's kind of like a squad guy for Nashville, which is an incredible thing to see. But, yeah, he's, why not? Why not give him some league minutes? Because he's he's proven to, if not be a DP, definitely be a, a starting 11 caliber player in this league. And um, you're not going to have a 100% Healthy Dax McCarty, Anibal Godoy, Sean Davis, um, and Brian Anunga. We haven't had it basically all year to see if this if this club can do it. Um, Gregus just hasn't quite yet been in that starting lineup in league play, and I think it's going to happen. I'll continue to point out that he is the unicorn that Tim didn't think Nashville would be able to sign, which was a guy who had the experience to contribute, but also the desire to take a lesser role. He really did. Yeah. And unlike Sean Davis, we can't take credit for that, but I will take credit for believing that he existed. Unicorns do exist. Uh, and they use their <laughs> horns to throw that. Producer Lily. Uh, yes, of course. And Cameron would, would concur uh, for sure. So both producers on the show. Uh, all right. So taking a break from the mailbag for just a minute to talk, uh, talk burgers a little bit more. Tim, it's it's a little bit sad that Nashville has to go on the road and therefore Melrose won't be a pregame place for those going to the match. But uh, a reminder that they will have the game on. It's been so long since Nashville's played on the road. I have to remind you guys of that, that yeah. if you go on Saturday, you can catch the match at Melrose. And, and as great as it is pregame and post, it is as good of a you know in-match, a road match watching location because the TV placement is optimal. The TVs are protected 
Mm-hmm. At this time of year, there's less going on to distract people and ask them to to change the channel. Mm-hmm. They won't do it anyway. Yeah, and um, one thing that we've we've taken it upon ourselves to to really make sure um, happened in the first place and continues is that you, if you go there, you will be around other Nashville SC fans. It's like when you go um, to eat, you know a public watch party, you feel like you're part of something bigger than yourself, just as a member of the of the television viewing audience. And that's what ML Rose is trying to cultivate with Nashville SC. They, they've done it with other local sports in Nashville, and um, they have done such a good job embracing the soccer culture in the city. And, and people have heard, um, hopefully many of you from us, uh, if you go there um, because of us, let them know that we sent you. <laughs> but um, it's definitely a situation where they have embraced it and the Nashville soccer uh, you know, zeitgeist has embraced ML Rose back. And it's, it's something that makes us really happy because um, they are doing everything that they can. And, and hopefully uh, we're doing everything we can to, to make sure people realize that that's an outstanding place to go. Um, you know, uh, 6.30 PM this, this Saturday, um, <laughs> uh, check out uh, the DC United game uh, there. If you are not making your way to uh, Audi field, this is also the Audi F- <laughs> I guess they got to stop sponsoring things in major league soccer. Um, um, yeah. So we're um, looking forward to seeing some of you guys there. Yeah. If you go take a picture of your burger and send it to us at club country USA at West bowling TN, let us know how you're enjoying the food there. And uh, while you're doing that, while you're sitting there and you're thinking about us and you're taking a picture with your phone of your burger and tagging us also rate review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. We always say that at the end of the episode, but we, the diehards have done that already. So we need to hit you in the middle when some of you are still listening who might not be later. Um, ML Rose plus rate, review, subscribe, and show us your burgers. That always is a highlight because we know that this is working. Uh, Trevor, what can we learn about Gary and the team given some movement with the captain armband in the past few weeks? And he gives some examples. Greg Goosh was the captain against San Antonio over several club veterans. Hani against Chicago and Walker's absence, even though Dax was starting. Sean Davis against... FC Dallas in uh, Wednesday night's U.S. Open Cup win. I can, I can tell you one thing, and then I'll let you weigh in here, Tim, as well. I, you know, in addition to the practical nature of wanting to have a veteran who's on the pitch who can manage situations and manage a team, Gary also sees this as an opportunity for a player to show leadership, a test and a reward mm-hmm. for them who's you know, when they've played well. Um, you know, for Greg Oosh, he clearly fits in well enough with the team off the field to have that opportunity, or he wouldn't have gotten it. Hani, we've seen as captain before occasionally. Sean Davis fits the mold of exactly who you want as a captain, a reliable central midfielder who's going to be in the middle of a lot of what's going on. Um, is that the logic you see? It's a reward and an opportunity, or you know, it's not the alternative. It's not a lack of veterans, and so you're just parceling it out to yeah. other people. Yeah, I want to I want to quickly touch on the on the Dax not being the captain against Chicago. Uh, I asked him, oh gosh, a few weeks back what he kind of felt about um, not being the permanent captain of this club anymore about Walker taking the armband. And um, unfortunately it was, it was one of the times that, that NSC didn't put out the the video from the post game press conference. And um, he, he said, listen, I, I it, it was the honor of my life to be the captain of this club, but it is um, important for me as, as the guy that I am to understand when it's no longer my time. And I think um, I, you know, I can't speak for him. I can't speak for Gary, but I think he would approve saying, Hey, Listen, if Walker's not there, I don't need to be the captain. It is time to give somebody else the chance to prove their leadership. Um, everybody knows what a leader Dax is. He doesn't need a, a band around his arm to prove that. And so that's something that um, we've seen Davis captain the team before as well. So it doesn't surprise me that he captained them Wednesday against FC Dallas. But I think 
um, the the attitude that Dax showed to to seating the permanent captaincy of this club to Walker kind of goes into the character of this club, the character of Dax, obviously, and is something that um, I, I think makes sense when you see um, other guys uh, have the opportunity, and especially. Um, I, I mean, I know he's not very good, but I guess it was on his turn or something. <laughs> is, that, is that the situation here? Yeah, if only he would do his leading on the on the score sheet from time to time. Only three goals against Chicago. Yeah. Un- unacceptable. Uh, maybe there's a hint at what's next for Dax McCarty. Trevor, with a good eye, notes that a certain, quote, Michael McCarty was added to the technical staff sometime recently as a player coach. <laughs> what's that role practically look like for Dax? And by the way, Dax's given first name is Michael. Yeah. Uh, this is not His something... Given middle name is Dax. Long story, we have seven minutes and 45 seconds left in the Zoom, so it doesn't. we don't need to go into it today. We'll, we'll his given middle name is Dax. It's his dad's favorite character from his dad, a book that his dad likes. So you went into it anyway. Yep. Uh, Michael Dax McCarty. Yeah. This, I, that's the Cliff Notes version. Well, and, and I guess that could explain why others are getting the opportunity to actually captain if perhaps he's in a, in a different kind of leadership role and still exercising that in a different context with this team. Yeah, so the the rules around a player coach are that he cannot be a, a coach that has coaching responsibilities with the first team. It has to be uh, academy and affiliate coaching. So so Dax is helping out with coaching um, when Huntsville players come up, for, for example. I think he can coach them individually, even if they're training with Nashville SC. Um, he can work with the academy a little bit, but um, it, it is in a situation where he's allowed to technically be a coach uh, for Nashville Soccer Club, uh, but I think we all know that Dax has been a coach on the field already. Anyway, they are allowed to get a bonus. Um, I did not um, uh, read the the roster rules really quickly. Um, yeah, he can he can make up to seventy five thousand dollars above his um, his salary, which is he's he's richly compensated and he deserves it for his his tenure and, and success in this league. Um, he can make a little bit more, and that's that is a way to to compensate Dax a little bit more than um he he gets just for being a player. And um, you know. He's been very honest, including on this very podcast, about seeing kind of the light at the end of the tunnel a little bit. He's not there yet, but he he knows it's coming, and it's um he's look he's looking at all options to continue in the soccer field. Man can name his future. It's easier to be a player coach than a player broadcaster, I suppose. But he's even pulled that off a few times in recent years. He could do mm-hmm. both or either uh, extremely well. He's got a bright bright future. Two more questions today: Is there a realistic danger we lose Hani to Europe or another league, considering his performances? So far this year, especially coming off the MVP season from last year, I think Hani is in a, a a tough spot for himself, but a great spot for Nashville in that the league that that maybe he would aspire to or leagues he would aspire to. I don't know that he'd have the roles with those clubs that that would justify either the the you know fee coming Nashville's way or the desire for Hani to go pursue that. Maybe he wants to come closer to home and play for a you know low Bundesliga team and try to work his way in. It's always possible. We're not going to speak for somebody's personal aspirations, but he is he is married to someone who you know he met in Nashville and mm-hmm. he is in a wonderful place to be Nashville's king and make good DP money for the foreseeable future. Yeah. I don't see that danger as as vividly as perhaps some might fear. Yeah, I think I think he makes more in Major League Soccer than he can make basically anywhere where he's going to get playing time, like you mentioned. This is also a guy who's who's played in Denmark. He's played for Benfica. He's played for Red Bull Salzburg. He's played for Hertha Berlin. He's done the European thing and 
Um, maybe his career didn't turn out the way he thought it was going to when he was, um, you know, captaining the Germany U-17s, I want to say it was, um, way back in the day, um, at least 11 years ago. Um, but I think he's very happy with where he is in Nashville, um, both physically and in terms of, of where he is in his career in Nashville. There's not an offer out there that he there, – or there is an offer out there that he would be unable to refuse – I don't necessarily know that is coming and I don't think it's, it's going to be some wistful thing for him to say, mm -hmm. well, I'm, I'm here in Nashville. Here I am. I guess I'll just keep doing it. He's happy here too. That's part of why it would take a kind of a monster deal to get him uh, to leave and go back to Europe. Yeah. Supporters enjoy it every match with him as if it is the last he will play, but I wouldn't expect that that's going to be the last for a long time. I think he's mm -hmm. here for, for a good, a good long time. Uh, another player who hopefully will be from Nashville's perspective, Walker Zimmerman, uh, missed time recently, of course, with uh, with injury, did not play in the Open Cup or this past weekend against Chicago. Garrett asking if we expect him to play at DC United. Don't know that, but would would suspect he's close. It did not sound like it was a serious issue that Walker was dealing with. And uh, Walker's going to fight to get on the pitch. He's not one that takes sitting lightly or very well. Um, he's classy about it, but he wants to compete. And I would imagine he'll be competing for this team again soon, barring a setback. Yeah, it's you, know, you kind of alluded to it there. It hasn't sounded like something that um, would keep him out for anything other than precautionary reasons for the most part. Um, he is a guy who, um, you know, obviously has, has a young child and has another young child on the way. Soccer is not 100% of everything in his life. And, and Nashville has been uh, very accommodating of that as a club. And I think um, if he's not feeling a hundred percent, they're willing to say, listen, we would love to have you out there. We don't absolutely require you out there. He is listed as questionable for Saturday, but I think if he's even a little bit improved from, from where he's been feeling, it's more of a feeling um, and, and a injury avoidance thing at this stage mm -hmm. and a, and a life balance thing. I think um, if it wasn't, you know, a combination of all three of those things, he probably would have been out there on Saturday and you probably would have been out there. Uh, might not have been out there on Wednesday, but probably not, but McNaughton <laughs> is earning his place and, and proving that he can certainly fill in admirably as, as needed. Uh, finally, what is the likelihood Garrett asks of NSC going after one of my favorite strikers in Temu Puki, I, I, I'm not going to get that specific. Any individual player is unlikely, especially somebody, you know, from from, you know, abroad. But I want to ask this, Tim, the average Nashville SC fan, how likely is it? And I want a number here, a percentage. How likely is it they will have heard of the DP striker that Nashville is bringing in? And I'm not saying that to denigrate Nashville yeah. fan knowledge. I'm saying that to illustrate that there's such a broad world out there. And just because you're not getting an Olivier Giroux or a Tamu Puki doesn't mean you're yeah. not getting a quality addition. A Nashville SC fan or a Nashville SC fin? Ah, see the puns, they keep coming. No, I think there's a, I think there's a decent chance that that people have heard of whoever they sign, whether it's because it's an ex-MLS player returning, whether that was, you know, Obviously, we've talked um, quite a bit about a few a few options so. there. Um, a guy like Puki, um, exactly. A guy like Puki is is one that uh, I think uh, Josh Sargent fans are are, are uh, anti Puki because he's he's been starting over Josh at Norwich City. But um, he he'd be a nice player. But I like you mentioned, I don't think that you can name a single individual player and say that's going to be the guy until we you know start hearing the rumblings a little bit closer to July about specific. Um, you know, contract discussions with an individual player overseas. But we will keep our ears to the ground. And Tim, keep your toes in the sand. Uh, keep enjoying the beach. I will. I'll try to.
have a great time. Sorry, there's not an ML Rose uh, down in the Florida Panhandle. Thanks to everyone for listening today. Soon enough, right? Uh, it's coming. That's right. They're moving. They're moving quickly. First Murfreesboro, then <laughs> 30A. Um, the world. Thanks to everybody for uh, for tuning in. Thanks to ML Rose for wonderful burgers and sponsorship. Moon Taxi for the music. As we mentioned earlier, rate, review, subscribe to the show. Tell a friend about us. Give us each a follow on Twitter if you don't already. Thanks to the 440 Sports Network for the platform. We're going to talk to you soon.